Reading from Romans 8.32.39 He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters, in our Lord Jesus Christ, for the last two weeks, We don't hear people talking about anything else but COVID-19. From the moment this virus infested our world, media feed us with statistics, prognosis, opinions, comments, how it evolves and how we react to it and how it impacts our personal lives and how it all changes our lifestyle and work habits and how everything won't be the same after this plague is gone. And all this creates a panic and fear about our future more than any time before. We simply don't know how the next day will look like. In moments like this, I'm glad I have God and His Word that bring not only balance but strength and encouragement into my life. I know that God of all comfort, the Father of tender mercies, pity and compassion will always bestow the appropriate encouragement, comfort, strength on His people. The Lord who is a friend sticking closer than a brother, the Lord who is with us always, is near as hand and feet, as near as breathing, the Lord who never leaves us or forsakes us, the Lord who takes up residence in us the Lord who has unlimited resources, the Lord who promises to be the supply of all our needs according to Christ Jesus, the Lord who says He is the God of comfort, will comfort us in all our affections and difficulties. Today I want you to open your Bibles and read with me a passage that Paul writes to his fellow Christians in Rome who were persecuted and faced difficulties, and lived in distress, and who needed to be encouraged and hear some comforting words. And first thing Paul does is reminding them about the basics of their faith, about that relationship with God that they had through Jesus Christ, who died for their sins and granted them eternal life through His resurrection. This simple fact changes everything, he says. And he speaks not so much out of revelation, but out of his personal experience. He had faced tribulation, persecution, distress, and famine. He had known the threat of the sword, peril, and nakedness. He had been assaulted by death in life by fallen angels and the principalities. 
and as he comes to the end of chapter 8, he encourages his people, saying, If God is for us, who can be against us? And of course, the answer is no one, because no one is as powerful as God. Paul basically reflects the world words from Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. On whom shall I be afraid? I remember a story a friend of mine shared with me. As a pastor, he and his family moved to another city. He had a junior high school aged son named David, who was a small kid. When he went to his new school, some tough guys decided to pick on him. Every day they made his life a living hell. They pushed him around, took his lunch money or beat him up. Sometimes he came home without his shirt because they stole it. This went on for a couple of weeks. And as you can imagine, David and his parents were simply miserable. One day the word about David's mistreatment got out to their church members. One of them was was also Mike, a star athlete and the biggest, strongest guy in this school. When he heard about what was going on, he went to every one of the kids in the school. He confronted them face to face and said, Listen, if you bother David one more time, I mean, if you even look at him crossed-eyed, I'm coming after you. Do you hear me? He told every one of them and then he went to the pastor's house and said, Pastor, I just want you to know, I have warned all those guys and they are not going to mess with David anymore. It was amazing. When David went to school the next day, he went with a confidence. Do you know why? He said, I am not afraid because Mike is for me and Mike is with me. Isn't it good to have somebody stronger than you who is protecting you? Take that little illustration and multiply it by a million times. Whatever you walk into tomorrow or next week, you do not have to be afraid because not Mike, but God is with you. And how do you know how much God is for you? Look at verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? If he already gave us the greatest gift, which was his son, then he doesn't mind the necklace and the dimes of comfort to help us in our trials. That's what Paul is saying. If God already made a supreme sacrifice, he surely is willing to make lesser ones. If he gave us Christ, won't he give us the rest? Can you imagine a husband giving his wife a beautiful gift and she opens the box and there is the beautiful diamond necklace and and she says, Oh, sweetheart, thank you so much. I know this is expensive. And after she tries it on, she asks, Can I now put it back to the box and keep it for a special moment? And imagine he would say, Oh no, you cannot have the box. I want to keep it for myself. The box is mine. That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? When he gives you something as expensive as a diamond necklace, sure, he will give you the box as well. God has already given us the precious diamond of his son. And now... 
anything else he could ever give to us is just like the box the diamond comes in. Everything else is much less valuable than his son. He willingly and graciously give us all things. And then Paul continues in his argumentation. Who will bring any charge against us? And he talks about Satan's work in this world. Did you know that the, the name Satan in Hebrew means slanderer? Look at what the Bible says in Revelation 12.10. For the accuser, Satan, of our brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been thrown down. You see, so many people think Satan is down in hell right now, but the truth is, he is not. Yes, one day he will be cast into the bottomless pit forever, but right now he is here and he has access to God and to all of us. Let me give you an example of that from Job chapter 1. The Bible says that God was in heaven and all the good and the fallen angels were appearing before him. Then God turned to the devil and said, What have you been doing? And this is what Satan said. I have been doing, going up and down throughout the whole earth. That's what Satan does even now. He roams about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And then God says, Have you considered my servant Job? What a great man he is. Listen to Satan's accusation. Ha! You blessed him so much. That's why he is a good man. But if you take away all those blessings, he will curse you to your face. That's exactly what the devil does today. He accuses us before God. Right now, he says to many people, listen, God doesn't even exist because if he would, he would stop this virus. And then he spreads fear and desperation and hopelessness in hearts of people because then when they fear, they lack faith. They don't trust God. And he also go after those who put their trust in God and whispers in their ears. Why would you trust God? You have to make care, take care of yourself. God won't do it for you. And you are a sinner and you don't deserve his grace. God had enough of all this crap in this world and therefore allowed this pandemic to happen. That's what Satan does. He accuses us, but God says, I love you. I forgive you. I have justified you. You don't have to be afraid. I am with you. Now, there is a wonderful passage of Scripture in Isaiah 43.25. God has blotted out our transgressions, and He remembers them no more. This is what is happening for those who have been redeemed, who have been justified. The devil says, God, do you remember, Dushantilinger, how dirty and rotten sinner he is, and how he didn't trust you? He deserves your wrath. And do you know what God says to Satan? No, I don't. I don't remember how sinful he used to be because all of his sins were washed away in the blood of my son who died for him. And that's what he says in verse 34. Who is he that condemns us? Well, Jesus could, but for those of us who are in Christ, he is not condemning us. Instead, he is praying for us because the Bible says in Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
If you are in Christ, there will never be any condemnation come upon your life. But if you are outside Christ, you are the target of condemnation for your sin. It's like old Noah and the ark. When God's judgment came as a flood, everybody who was in the ark was saved. The ark is a picture of Jesus Christ. Everybody who was outside the ark perished. You and I must be in Christ or else we will be condemned. But because we are in Christ, he is not condemning us. Instead, look at what the Bible says. He is pleading for us. He is interceding for us. This is such a glorious truth. Satan is like the prosecuting attorney. He is always pointing his finger on us and saying, look how bad and wicked that person is. But the Bible says those who are in Christ is their advocate. He is standing before interceding to the Father on their behalf. Notice Jesus, uh, where Jesus is. It says that he is seated at the right hand of God the Father. This is just one more reason why I believe you cannot lose your salvation. Why I believe those who are truly saved are eternally saved. Jesus Christ is in heaven praying for me right now. I will just use me as an example. The only way you could get me to lose my salvation is for you to get to Jesus to stop praying for me. The only way you could get Jesus to stop praying for me is to get into heaven where he is praying for me. And the only way you could get into heaven is to be born again. But once you are born again, you won't want to make Jesus stop praying for me. Do you see what I'm saying? Right now, our salvation is not dependent upon how good you are or how good I am. The security of our salvation is bound up in Jesus in heaven interceding for us. If he's praying for you, no thing, no one can make him stop interceding for you. Who can condemn us? Nobody can. That brings me to my final point. Paul asks, who can separate us from the love of God? That word separation in Greek means to chop off, to cut off. It would be like our word in English, amputate. Who can amputate us from the love of God and who can amputate God's love from us? Of course, the answer is nothing, nobody. But then the Apostle Paul gives us several categories of things that are unable to separate us from God's love. First, Jesus' love is not broken by emotional factors. In verse 35, he mentions two, trouble and hardship. The word trouble means inner pressure. Do you feel like there is something inside of you that is giving you a lot of problems, whether it is depression, discouragement, anger, or bitter bitterness? Sometimes these inner feelings of calamity and pain make us wonder, does God really love me? Well, the Bible says even those feelings of pressure cannot cut off God's love toward you. Then he uses a second word in uh, that verse, hardships. That means inner pressure. Do you feel a pressure from the outside world? Do you feel a pressure from people who just care about getting more groceries and toiletries and you feel like you don't have enough of those things? 
Or do you feel financial pressure or pressure on your job, pressure from family members, pressure from friends who get crazy because of this COVID-19? The Bible says even the worst of pressure from without that causes you an emotional pain cannot amputate you from God's love. He is with you and he says to you, all things that happens around you and with you and to you, I will work for your good because I, I called you according to my purpose. And then Paul gives you, goes even further. Look at the next few words. He says, persecution, famine, nakedness, nakedness, danger, or the sword, which is a weapon that can be used to kill a person. Even those physical threats cannot separate you from the love of God. I know right now there are many of you who may suffer physically in one way or another, and you don't understand why. I don't know either, but let me share with you a thought that was written by A.W. Tozer and can help you to understand your situation. He says, praise God for the hammer. The hammer is a useful tool. But the nail, if it had feeling and intelligence, could present another side of the story. For the nail only knows the hammer as an opponent, a brutal, merciless enemy who lives to pound it into submission, to beat it down out of sight and to clench it into place. That's the nail's view of the hammer. And it is accurate except for one thing. The nail forgets that both it and the hammer are servants in the hand of the same workman. Let the nail but remember that the workman holds the hammer and all the resentment toward it will disappear. The carpenter decides whose head shall be beaten next and what hammer shall be used in the beating. That is his sovereign right. When the nail has surrendered to the will of the carpenter and has gotten a little glimpse of his eternal plans, it will yield to the hammer without complaint. If you are hammered, if you go through pain and suffering, remember that God is allowing it out of his divine wisdom. He is using it not to punish you, but to get closer to him. And there are earthly factors that Paul mentions in verse 38. Death, nor life, present, nor future, nor height, nor depth. He's saying that Death doesn't amputate you from the love of God. Yes, it is weapon of Satan that he uses to separate us from those we love, but for God it is a way to usher us into his presence. I heard about a man who was having his tombstone prepared. He said, I don't want you to put on there the date when I was born and then date when I died. Instead, put there my name. And then the day when I was born again and the date I was transferred to heaven. I like that. Death cannot separate you. Life cannot separate you from God's love. And he uses a couple of other words. Heights nor depth. Even if you would be lost on the highest pinnacle of the earth or in the deepest part of the ocean, even that cannot separate you from the love of God. And not just earthly things, but eternal things or heavenly factors. He even talks about angels and demons. Then he says in verse 39, Anything else in all creation cannot separate you from the love of God. Friends, 
I know this will sound contrary to what this world says to you, but this is time when you need to stop worrying and put your trust in the Lord. He already showed you a vastness of his love when he died on the cross for you. That's how precious you are to him. And please remember, even the worst of the world, even the worst rage of Satan, nothing in the whole universe, nothing created or spiritual, not even the deadliest weapon of Satan, cannot separate you from the love of God. So be confident and have faith. If he took care of your eternal and spiritual needs, he certainly will take care of all your needs on this earth. Amen. Let us pray. God, I may fall flat on my face. I may fail until I feel old and beaten and done it. Yet your love for me is changeless. All the music may go out of my life. My private world may shatter to dust. Even so, I am confident you will hold me in the palm of your steady hand. No turn in the affairs of my fractured life can baffle you. Satan, with all of his boastful and arrogant behavior, cannot distract you. Nothing can separate me from your measureless love. Pain cannot, disappointment cannot, anguish cannot, yesterday, today, tomorrow can't. The loss of my dearest love can't, death can't, life can't, riots, wars, insanity and identity, hunger, neurosis, disease, none of these things, nor all of them, Heap together can budge the fact that I am dearly loved, completely forgiven, and forever th- free through Jesus Christ, your beloved Son. Thank you, Lord, for all of that. Amen.